Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no sandwiches. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another edition of Neil and Nick's Mill History Hour, dealing with the forthcoming fixtures for November. Joining me to um, mull over the past in our own inimitable style is my co-conspirator, Mr. Neil Fisler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Yep, we're going to take a, we're going to take another trip down nostalgia's history lane or yeah. nostalgia lane, whatever you want to call it. We're gonna we're gonna take the, the 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 listeners away from the current um, negativity of Millwall, <laughs> and maybe look at some better times in the past when we did actually know how to uh, play attacking football and players that got stuck in a little bit. So um, we have um, what is it four fixtures uh, for the month of November, Neil. So we're gonna begin with Reading. Now you've come up with one from 1966. Now I thought we might make a change to start with your fixture which was one from um, March 1966, Millwall 3, Reading 0. Yeah. Yes, it was, a, it was a result that helped us win promotion into the second division. And now that we've covered this extensively in the past, yeah. I, I, yeah, well, I know this season always pops up, but yeah, the goals were Tom Wilson after 30 minutes, uh, Len yep. Julian's on 48. Yep. Harry trips a penalty after 82, which is only his third goal for the club. Yeah. Unusual. I, I don't remember Cripsy being a penalty taker, but I suppose I, I didn't start going till the, the early 70s when we had the likes of Derek Posse and and, um, and Barry Bridges and more conventional, you know, goal-hungry strikers. And it, this this result was actually an interesting one. Mill 3, Reading nil played in Division 3. It was being played on the fifth of March, nineteen sixty-six. And I've actually got an edition of the of the Sunday People. So the next day, March the sixth, and they kind of draw attention to. They say the lines are roaring, obviously, with an aftermath of a three-nil win. This was their tenth game without defeats, um, building up for the end of season um, surge towards promotion, as it would be that season. Um, but they mention their only their only weakness, which I think is a bit. Bit of a strong point, but the only weakness they say is they've got just one hot shot forward who was um top scorer that season, which was Len Julian's, um, with with 24 goals. Um, which I think is a pretty good return for a team with only one weakness, a 24 goal striker. Yeah, we wouldn't mind 24 goals in the whole team this season, would we? Just we'd settle for Mickey Brown, who's second behind Len Julian's with 11 for the season from 34 appearances. Um, it was a successful season, it was, it was Benny Fenton's first in charge after um, departure of Billy Gray, Neil, of course. 
yeah, it it was a strange old time. I think we've all gone into how Billy Gray mm, left it, and, yeah. and Benny took over. Uh, but we're on the climb. We're on the rise. We one promotion from Division Four settled into Division Three, and one promotion <laughs> straight away to Division Two. So. It, it was one of those funny periods. We always have these periods in Millwall history, don't we, where we where we look to be getting something right. We have a surge, don't we? we yeah. We have, we have, and, and funny enough, the um, the choice that I'll come on to was in a similar kind of time. It was just it was the pre-promotion season, but we do get these surge periods where we we you know it's all kind of guns blazing. This was this was such a time. Um, the win over uh, Reading was played out in front of 16,000 um, at, at Colblow Lane, 16,832. Um, it left us in uh, top position, according to Mill History. We'd finished second in the table that season behind Hull City, Neil, um, who were champions. But it was, you did get a sense that this was a, a team building something, the, you know, the mythical, proverbial, they're the much sought after, the holy grail of promotion to the top flight. And this is, this is where Benny Fenton was was set upon, wasn't he? Which would come heartbreakingly close in 71-72. Yeah, it, your Benny Fenton, he added players, didn't he? Brought in the likes of Posse and... Yeah. And it was, it, it was a slowly, slowly catchy monkey type of situation, wasn't it? Where, where we didn't go all out out for promotion, but he gradually built it. He picked players up from elsewhere and yeah. he very slowly put this team together that could probably rival quite a lot of our best teams in Millwall history, I think. I would say so. It's among, I mean, also the other thing that was interesting with Benny is Benny Fenton. I'm talking like I know him. I've never, I was privileged to sit looking at him, not talk to him as a kid. Um, but he was he was he was a, he was a man of I mean he was, became known as a defensively minded manager which sounds familiar in in the current context, but but the the players that he brought in um, were often quite attacking minded. I mean this this piece that the the report of the three 0 win Dumphy makes the Lions roar is the main headline. He mentions the newly signed Eamon Dumphy from York and another guy Alan Willie who I don't was pre my time I, I don't know him. It mentions little Alan Eamon Dunphy working tremendously hard as a mill link man as a goal creator. Um, Benny Fenton knew he, he knew his attacking players as much as he knew his defence, didn't he? Yeah, he, he he doesn't get enough credit. You speak no. to players from that era and we've spoken to them and none of them have a bad word to say about Benny Fenton. He's, he's a, he ought to be probably remembered as one of the great Millwall managers. I believe so. Yeah. I mean may it may maybe it helps because the the, uh, the when I started going in the early seventies it was just on the cusp of the or the end the back end of uh, an almost uh, memorable season and Benny Fenton was the mastermind of that. So you kind of remember him from successful days, I suppose. But I think you're right because he, he was actually sacked in the end before the arrival of Gordon Jago. And you know we weren't doing as badly as maybe the sacking um, justified. I don't know. I mean, it's a long while ago now, but um, no, I do think he's underrated as a manager. Um, he always had an air of authority about him when he walked past the <laughs> the orange seats in the in the forecourt where I used to sit. 
often. <laughs> I'd pay me extra tenpence and get in there to sit down. I thought it was great luxury. Um, a player that you mentioned that's playing for Reading in this fixture, three 0 win for the Lions, as we've said, listeners. But playing on the for the opposition was Pat Terry, an ex Lion himself, Neil Pat Terry. Yeah, grew up supporting Millwall. Yeah. Uh, started in the first division with Charlton and would excel as a he was he was a lower division goal scorer. I think he was Gillingham's leading scorer a couple of seasons in a row and then became Ron Gray. Signed him for Millwall and he was the last piece of our promotion push. Absolutely. I mean I, I am listeners will need to know that I am greatly assisted by a wonderful book called Millwall Who's Who by a certain author who shall be nameless. Um, it, it enables you, if you ever want to do a history podcast about me, it enables you for it to sound instantly expert. So I've got Pat Terry's entry in, in the said the aforesaid book, Neil, Mill Who's Who, available via victorpublishing.co.uk listeners. And I recommend that you do snap it up because, it, as we said in the previous show, it is a bit of a, a masterwork, in my opinion. Um, but I, I found a quote from Wikipedia, which I just loved about Pat, Neil, um, this is Pat Terry, um, Patrick Alfred Terry, born in 1933, passed away in 2007. Um, he was described as a player, quote, whose game was built on the understanding that no quarter was asked nor given as he let nothing stand in his way in pursuit of a goal. What a quote. What a, what a, what a hard, and the photo that you've got in Who's Who shows a hard-looking man. Um, hint of kindness in his face, but he looked like a hard man that took no prisoners on the pitch. Yeah, formed a formidable partnership with Peter Burridge, another great player of that era. Yeah. And a guy I was very lucky to get to know towards the end of his life was a guy called David Jones. Right, another name from that era, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, those three, what we would do to have one of those three, let alone all of them bloody three in absolutely case, became a London cabbie. Yep. And uh, little known, but his nephew actually had a spell at the club in about in the very early nineties. So it'd been Peter Terry, Peter yeah, Terry, Peter I guess. Terry, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember that name, but um, bow, bow to the Who's Who book, Mill Who's Who listeners. It's um, it's a wonderful piece of um, a reference work. Um, a much travelled player, Pat Terry, now as well. Just looking at you know Charlton, Newport County, Swansea. Gillingham, Millwall, Northampton, Reading, Swindon, and then into the non-league with um, Hillingdon and Folkestone, Greenwich Borough and so on. Um, different era of football, and a different era of footballer, because I still can't get past this wonderful quote about no quarter being given in pursuit of a goal. That's wonderful stuff. I'd love that as a, an epitaph. Yeah, that's real wall, that is, isn't it? That's all Absolutely, have. absolutely. Millwall 3, Reading nil, and this would be... Um, part of a promotion-winning surge that would see us finish second to Hull City and be promoted from Division 3 into Division 2, where we would spend certainly the remainder of the 60s and the first few years of my own mill supporting career in the very early 70s um, under the the management of Benny Fenton. Um, Good choice. Nice choice, Neil. Thank you for that. I'm going to contrast. I'm going to raise you your 3-0 win over Reading. And I'm going to go for a 5-0 win over Reading, played on the 16th of November 1999 in Division 2, or the Division 3 as, I, as in old money, shall we call it, 
in front of just 5,202. This was part of the um, the building process, I think, there, wasn't it? Under under um, uh, Rhino and, and Macca, I think, still at this stage, 1999, I believe. Um, I don't think McGee had taken over as yet. Um, a 5-0 win in, in the, uh, the third tier. A Paul Moody hat-trick, listeners, Paul Moody hat-trick. And a two-goal brace for Neil Harris. Um, we've just been talking about strikers. We give our right arm for Neil. Um, give me, give me Paul Moody and Neil Harris in there, Pomp. Yeah, that would be, that would be absolutely, that would be a dream, wouldn't it? Wonderful front? dream, absolutely. It, it, I do remember this game. Yeah, I was there for this one. I remember this one myself. Yeah, it was. It's. A, it was. A, it was a strange time because I think Harris was just about to reach prime, wasn't he, for us? Funnily enough, I spoke to Paul Moody about this game and he couldn't remember anything about it. He didn't remember his hat-trick? No. Wow. That's... He didn't remember scoring a hat-trick. <laughs> I used to love Paul Moody. Um, and again, he was an underrated striker because he was a big man. Mm. There's any dispute about um, you know his physique carried I, I, I never saw Pat Terry but that description of him could as much be applied really to to Paul Moody um in terms of being the big target man up front but he was also as, as so many big men are often Neil they're quite light on his feet and he, he was not bad with the ball at his feet as well and I think he wasn't ever really given much credit for that, that aspect of his game no him and him and Harris was dream pretty much the reason why we got promoted, weren't we? Absolutely. Weren't they? they were they were the archetypal big man, little man. Yeah. And Harris in his pomp. Yeah, and Harris, yeah, we've got to say at the time, he's probably the best striker I've seen play for the club. It's an interesting question. I mean I, I think I think uh, you're probably uh, right. Um in terms of goal return. Deadly. He yeah. was absolutely deadly, wasn't he? And almost certainly, if it hadn't have been for the testicular cancer, yeah, we probably would have left us. I think because I think Mate, was... he wouldn't. I I think we'd have struggled to have kept hold of him that promotion winning summer. Yeah, well, it was on the back end of was it? A th- did he get thirty goals that season, or was it just one short? I can't remember. Yeah, he won the um, golden boot, didn't he? Because yeah. I think, didn't he take a penalty in the last? That's right. He nicked it off of Paul Moody. He totally took his hat trick yeah. away from him there as well. I think, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> yeah, but I think he was in pursuit of the golden boot. But you, but you look at that team from that day. It was Denzel in goal. Yeah, uh, arguably a fine goalkeeper. Ricky, great Newman. goalkeeper. One of our best, I think. Yeah, yeah. Hit, hit and miss. Ricky Newman. Robbie Ryan was a steady professional footballer. Yeah. Tim Cahill. All-time great of the club, no matter yeah. what era. Yeah, gotta say, Cahill, Nethercott, yeah. no nonsense defender yeah. with with Scott Fitzgerald, another no nonsense defender. Yeah, and then you got Paul Ifill and great servant, and a brilliant, a brilliant unpredictability to him that I loved. You know, there are some players that you look forward to seeing get the ball, Neil, and Paul Ifill was always a player. That you 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 sat forward when he got the ball at his feet. You never quite knew what was going to come. Um, yeah, and I, I just loved I love I, I loved Paul Eiffel um, as a as a Millwall player. I think he was just brilliant. Um, 
Michael Gilks, who I've, I've picked out just basically um, as much as I think one of the joys and beauties of these shows, I hope you agree, listeners, is that it can it lets you mention the greats and the um, the obvious kind of moments and the big names, but it also gives you a chance, Neil, just to look at some of the less well known players. I, I don't know if that if you'd agree with. It. I just I just really take great pleasure in picking out players that didn't do didn't pull up any trees, but they did do their little bit in their way. He contributed, you know. Michael Gilks. Michael Gilks was a very very good winger with Reading. Yeah, I seem to remember. Well, this was the thing with this team, because there was was a blend of youth. Obviously, you know, we're looking at Mark Bertram in midfield and Tim Cahill uh, and and Neil Harris, really. They'd all been, you know, coming through from the youth ranks and and signed as youngsters and Paul Iafil, the same. But then you had... Your Alika Dintsey came off the bench in this game. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, well, he must have been about six at the time. (laughs) He was always on the fringes, wasn't he? Lecky or Lecky or Lecky or Dintsey, Dintsey. But I think that it was the blend of experience. You know, you're right. Michael Michael Jilks had been around the the block a few times. Barbadian, Bajan International. Um, He played in in the lower kind of um, levels, but knew enough. Same really with Paul Moody. I think he was it Southampton and Oxford. He'd made his made his name when Oxford and were Fulham. a team. Fulham, Fulham, and um, it was that it was a wonderful blend of youth and experience. The the magic blend really. It would come good the following season under my um, McGee Mark McGee's management, um, which was harsh on uh, Rhino and Macca. But then there, there was a, an unusual streak of ruthlessness in that decision, wasn't there? To to out them in favour of Mark McGee, which worked out well in the end. Yeah, I think I'll never forget that game at Brentford, <clears throat> which was uh, their last game in charge. And yeah, just the venom that was directed towards Brian. Sad day. I, 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 I don't know. Um, I don't always buy this Millwall family business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know it's there, but sometimes you wonder where it, where it goes at times, you know, because these were great servants both for the club and there was a blip in form, I suppose. I mean, the, the promotion surge in the following season kind of coughed and spluttered slightly, and there was venom. I mean, it was, it was a it was a nasty nasty um, day out, really, as we look back. Yeah, and Just, Paul Shaw was a sub in this game. Another Paul Shaw, big servants for the club, and. Yeah, had his own song, didn't he? The Paul Shaw, Paul Shaw song, Baldy Baldy Shaw. <laughs> Got no hair. Um, and he don't care. One thing I do, just to give it, I would raise 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 our, our, the spirits a little bit after that little downbeat bit for about Rhino and Macca, but the manager of, of Reading this day after a 5-0 spanking was Alan Pardew. <laughs> um, and he admitted in the post-match conference, Neil, that releg- uh, Reading room for a relegation fight. That's always good to see, isn't it? That, and that's courtesy of the uh, the Reading um, Evening Post. Um, those those wonderful post match quotes. So um, yeah, there we are. Millwall five, Reading nil. Um, surge towards promotion the following season. And big shout out to Michael Jilks. Twenty eight appearances for the Lions, six as a sub, two goals. Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand one. Achtung, Millwall. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We move along, Neil. Now you've you've gone back. You've rewound the um, like the old um, the time machine, HG Wells, where it goes backwards or forwards, and you see the date swirling around. We've gone backwards to 1903, to the 21st of March. Um, Millwall, unfortunately, Millwall Athletic getting beat in the FA Cup semi final in 1903. Yeah, our first of three appearances, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, we were a Southern League team, obviously, back then. This was well, well before. I think it would be another, what, be another 18 years before we got into the league. 17, 18 years, wasn't yeah, it? Southern League side, playing on the Isle of Dogs. Um, I think this would have been the uh, the North Greenwich, the, uh, the, the what is now Millwall Park, near to Mudshoots uh, Station, in, in modern terms, would have been playing there. But this was a, a semi-final, and... As is remiss of me, if I'm going to set myself up as a podcast listener, I should have done some notes. And this is one that I didn't make any notes on. So um, <laughs> you'll have to tell me where the game was played, Neil. <laughs> uh, it was played at Villa Park. Mm-hmm. And we had seen off Bristol Rovers after a replay in the intermediate round. Intermediate round. Intermediate round. round. Okay. Yeah, well, this was after the qualifying rounds. And right. then we had an intermediate round. Then we beat Luton Town 3 0. And this would be the the FA Cup proper, as they would have called it, the the forward tournament. Yeah. Yep. Then we beat Preston North End 4 1. That was no no mean feat. They were a a top team then. And then we beat Everton 1 0. That's right. I've seen pictures. There are pictures of the Everton game. Um, played at the, because you can see the railway arches in the back, and I've seen photos online of an inc- you know, a moment's incident in the game, and that was played at North Greenwich. That would have been a huge game. That would have been a huge crowd that would have turned out for that on the island. Yeah, that was the, obviously, that was the first ever meeting. Yeah. Uh, well, we haven't played them too often. We've played, <laughs> well, we've only played them about 10, 11 times. Yeah, we, we actually have quite a decent record at home versus Everton. Not not so much if we travel to Goodison, but we actually do tend to have a good a fighting chance at home against them, don't we? Historically. Yeah, there were 14,000 in the ground that day. 
when we beat Everton. That would have been that would have been quite something. Yeah, well, I don't know what the ground was like, but it must have been must have been shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. And Fred Watkins scored our only goal. Well, scored the only goal of the game. Now I'm going to speak completely from memory because, I, as, as I say, listeners, much to my my uh, disgrace, I didn't do any notes on this this particular game that Neil Neil sent me. But if memory serves, did Derby then face Berry in the 1903 Cup final, Neil? Yes, they did, and they lost by a record score, six nil. Six nil. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not losing it, listeners. That, that was when you say these things, you hope your facts are correct. But that's that's um, that was a record. Um, fi- I think it remains a record actually to this day, doesn't it? That's like a cup final score. Yeah, I think the only thing that might have got close City a couple Manchester City a couple of years ago. Didn't yeah, they? didn't they have a big win? Yeah. It's terrible. You lose track of FA Cup finals. I know more about the nineteen oh three Cup <laughs> final than the two thousand thirteen or twenty three or whatever. Well, uh, in goal for us that game was a guy called John Sutcliffe, right? Who who I think we might have done one of our history specials on a couple of years ago now. Okay. And only one of three men to play for England at both rugby union and football. You did mention, well, you mentioned a chap, and I can't remember if that was Sutcliffe now that you say that, but I do remember you mentioning that feat because that is quite something, isn't it? It's playing both codes for, for England. I mean, you know, not cricket, but rugby and, and football is, is uh, an unusual achievement. Yeah, considering that obviously he'd had to have turned professional to play football at that time. I've just found him in the book, John William Sutcliffe. Goalkeeper, 1902 to 1903, 57 games, born in Shibden, 1868, died in Bradford, 1947. And um, as you say, he was was, um, one of only three men to play for England at both rugby union and football, which is um, quite quite an achievement. And he played in a semi-final game against Derby, who would actually go on to be um, beaten badly by Berry. who won the FA Cup that year, of course. But there we are. That's a good choice. I like that one, Neil. Yeah, well, you have a lot of games are boring, aren't they? So, so well, let's go back to 1903 when we got 3-0 so, by Derby in a so, FA Cup semi-final. Some games, it's funny, actually, when you do this. I mean, I, I didn't struggle so much with Derby. I'm going to mention my, my choice in a moment, listeners, but... Some clubs we just don't seem to have much to talk about. I mean, you, you have to kind of really dig deep to to get some. I found Bournemouth a difficult one. There, there you know, there, there aren't that many dramatic moments or big games, apart from maybe one obvious in the promotion-winning season when we Bournemouth are featured. You know, but other clubs seem to generate heat and fire, and others don't, don't they? Yeah, although Bournemouth, I come up with an interesting one. On we'll save that up for later. I'm gonna. I'm going to, an obvious choice, perhaps, listeners, but I'll make no apologies about it because I was there for this one. A beautiful, sunny 3rd of September, 1988. Um, 13,000 of us packed into Colblow Lane. I can remember aspects of the journey. The traffic was a monster. I was coming up from Orpington up through Deptford. This was our first home game, uh, having been promoted in, in Division One. And we're playing Derby County and it finished 1-0. And the mania, um, when the goal went in around me um, in the lower part of the halfway line, I can still feel it now as I'm talking to you. There there are moments from this whole season, Neil, like that, um, especially the opening phase of the season when, I don't know how you remember it, but it felt like every game was had a, had a, uh, a touch of the big cup tie about it. It was just manic. 
in cold yeah, weather. Yeah, we finally got up there, hadn't we? After We've got up all there. those years of trying. Yeah. Um, we, were in the, we were in the top flight. We were rubbing shoulders and, and the th- with the big boys. I think the thing was, you never quite know how it's going to go. You know, I mean, there are some teams... I mean, we're seeing Norwich this season. I know the times are different. But they've got themselves into the Premier League and they're getting pounded week in and week out. And it's how big a cricket score will they, they report at the end of Saturday or whenever they play their games. And I didn't want that for the Millwall. I didn't expect... I think I probably expected us to find it hard because we're in the top flight, but I didn't want us to be cannon fodder. That would that would that just wouldn't have felt right. And lo and behold, we weren't cannon cannon fodder, far from it. And I think this was the moment where it dawned on me that actually at the den um we could go toe to toe. We would follow it up with a win, famous win for me over Everton. Mention that club again. Uh, a couple of weeks later, two one win. And again, that was that was another moment. The first big club, as it seemed to me, that we're playing. But but Derby County were no no slouches. No, they had um, Shilton in goal. Um, Peter Shilton. I've got a report here, and I think they had Mark Wright playing, England player in uh, in in their defence. And you know they they were a decent side, and we beat them. And it felt like a I don't know a load was lifted from the shoulders slightly. I don't know if that's yeah. overdoing it. Yeah, they were all backed by Jizang Maxwell's old man, weren't they? That's that's right. the precarious character in, in, in Did you ever meet him, Neil? I mean, you, you, you've done the rounds journalism, right? Did you ever get to meet um, the monster? Mate, he wouldn't, yeah, well, he wouldn't have mixed with the likes of me. <laughs> I think the nearest I've came to somebody like that was I was shifting on the Today newspaper many years ago. Yeah, I remember it. And... I was rushing to go out somewhere, but uh, the sports desk was next to the canteen, and I pushed in front of Alistair Campbell, who, who was then the editor. Oh, me, you do go back, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Derby County were wearing the name Maxwell, which is an embarrassment given the current um, court cases that are, that are um, afoot in the uh, under the US jurisdictions. But there we are, Maxwell. Um, and the fact the old man was one of the biggest thieves in yeah in, in I, newspaper history. I, I mean, this is an aside, listeners, and I'll let you into my little private world. I'm fascinated by Robert Maxwell. I read, I've read a few things about him, listened to an uh, audio book recently on him. Um, I find him endlessly fascinating. As a, as, and now, obviously, the denouement of Gergelain in, in, in court in America. But we di- digress from the football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, but only could a Millwall podcast <laughs> go that far off of... Uh, <laughs> Down a yeah, dark road. <laughs> Andrew, Gisane Maxwell and everything else going on. But I think anywhere else, do you? That, that, is, that is a podcast in its own right. But as, as a story, it's just... I, mean, I think it probably helps that you remember the likes of... Um, Derby coming to the den with Maxwell and he, he was he tried to make himself into a big figure in English football and to some extent he achieved it um, first with Oxford and then um, with Derby um, so I think he it just helped a scheme where he wanted a merge Oxford merge Reading and didn't he and, and Oxford yeah well, the Thames Ten Valley Royals, Royals wasn't it <laughs> wonderful it stuff time in English football where where there are all kinds of silly schemes going around. Weren't uh, Brentford and QPR going to merge at one stage or something like that? And... Well, it was a very fluid time. We'd, we'd had the kind of disasters of 1985, the uh, the fire, the Brentford fire, and 
Liverpool disgracing the country in, in the European Cup final in uh, in Brussels and the Heysel. Um, we had yet to reach the Hillsborough disaster, which would be at the end of this season, strangely. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't their fault, though, hardly. <laughs> it wasn't their fault. <laughs> we, we, we're veering on this show everywhere now. Let's, let's be going to it all. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have Epstein on here soon. Oh, he's dead, so we can't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm not talking he's about the Beatles there. manager either. <laughs> he's, he's dead, dead as well. there. <laughs> A 1-0 win for the Lions, a Teddy Sheringham tap home from close after a knockdown. 44 minutes, I remember it like it was yesterday in the hair stand on my neck when I think of it. Um, part of, obviously, the classic duo of Teddy Sheringham, Tony Cascarino. 160 career goals for Millwall for that uh, for both players. Um, I, I think our most dangerous and highest level partnership we've ever had, obviously playing in Division 1, but they were just... They were the part, weren't they? I just thought that as a, as a, as a, uh, a twosome up front that you don't get better than that in mill terms. Yeah, no, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up and it's not because I've just been possessed by Jeffrey Epstein either. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's very, very, very special time, weren't they? And you, 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 yeah. you have to be there. Yeah, no, you did. And, and, and it might be quite boring for younger listeners. I don't know how many younger listeners we have on these shows, but um, <laughs> it might be boring. But I'm, I'm, we're playing to the gallery. We're playing to our... Um, our the boomers. The boomers, the boomers. Um, Peter Shilton in goal, great servant. He took an absolute flagellation of abuse in front of the Colblow Lane end uh, this day, as is the Mill way. Mark Wright was a very decent defender. I think he played in the uh, 86 World Cup. In uh, in Mexico, um, and Oxford, yeah, and and I believe Paul Goddard playing for Derby, who would come back to haunt us. Talking about ghosts, that, that, I won't put him in the same sentence as Epstein. <laughs> he would come back to haunt us, wouldn't he, with that million pound signing a couple of years later? Um, as the Daily Sunday Mirror put it, um, terrific time for Mills Teddy Boy, uh, the man they called Sherry, doubled bar takings down the Old Kent Road last night. As Millwall celebrated their first ever victory in Division One, says Roy uh, Roy Daly of the Sunday Mirror, dated September the fourth. Um, wonderful, wonderful times. Neil, we need to move along. We're going to move You're along. Coincidentally, now. Roy yep. Daly, I used to share a desk with on the Today newspaper. No, you do. So you do know the celebs. You just, you just, <laughs> you're just, you're just making out. You don't. We're going to move along to Middlesbrough next in our, our, our games. I'm breaking the rules for this one. You've, you've gone for, um, I think, Jimmy, you've gone for a home game as well, you, haven't you? Middle, middle one, Middlesbrough, Neil? 1971? Yeah, 30th of January. I don't do these home and away. I can never be bothered. <laughs> I, I, You know what? I, I wrestled with, well, should I break the rules? And I said, yes, I will break the rules for this one. Neil don't even think about the rules. That's the difference. No, no, there aren't any rules, are there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funnily enough, I thought about the rules when we first started doing these and thought, no. Ah, these, 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 are, these are the issues that I wrestle with and Neil don't even think about them, listeners. <laughs> Neil's choice, 30th of Jan, 1971. That will be Middlesbrough, uh, that'll be Mill 1, Middlesbrough nil. Goal yep. scored by the great, my hero, um, one of the, the, the biggest figures in, in Mill um, life when I first got, started going, Barry Kitchener. What a player. What a name. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about player interviews and things like that, you just 
one player that I wish was still around yeah. to yeah. have done a podcast with would have been Kitch. Kitch. I agree. Um, I would absolutely have loved just to just to have got his thoughts on it and the stories um, he could tell. Yeah, I'd spoken to him on the phone. Have you? I've, I've, right, he needed right. help and things like that, and he was just so readily available to people. And just to talk about that season, that yeah. that seventy seventy one season. Yeah, the match report says uh, although the mud was against classic football, <laughs> M- Middlesbrough versus Millwall, classic football. <laughs> Poor Middlesbrough finishing kept us in the game, but Steve Brown, who's a player I want to talk about, sparked a revival. Yeah, and he took the corner, uh, or well, we won a corner. He went to take it, Crips and. Kitch came up, Christ almighty, you wouldn't have got much change from them, would you? Harry Cripps and Barry Kitchen. <laughs> no, you wouldn't Talk have done. Underrated footballer. You speak to anybody. Yeah. And you speak to likes of Brian King, George yeah. Jacks, and anybody from that era. Yeah. And Kitch could play football. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Kitch was a lovely, lovely footballer. And I don't think he gets the credit in that sense. He gets the credit because he's probably the greatest player this club's ever had. And that's some statement. And yes, yeah, it is. I don't think there'd be many people of our vintage that would disagree with that. No, yeah. he um, he dominated the defence. He was Millwall. And, you know, that's that's it's quite something. He embodied something. Millwall, didn't he? He embodied Millwall, he, that's right. Calculated everything that Millwall stands for. You don't have to be the greatest footballer in the world, but just bloody try and you'll get worshipped for life. And it very much he was worshipped for life. He was I, he, rather like Cripps, Neil. I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I, 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 both Barry Kitchener and Harry Cripps had this kind of bustling, the big reputation, but they weren't dirty players. They were good players. Barry Kitchen, I think, was probably better than Cripps in terms of technical ability. He 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 was a good player. Probably should have played at a higher level, in in truth. But they obviously they were part of Millwall, and there's this kind of every report you read of that time we've had any success speaks of the old Kent Road and the whole um, you know they'll be raising their glasses in the pub down the old Kent Road or all this kind of, and it was of that kind of um, image of the club. But I do think he was a better player. He was given credit for. Yeah, absolutely, and apparently uh, they came up for this corner. Wingham, the Middlesbrough goalkeeper, was under pressure from Cripps and Kitch headed in, only yeah. goal of the game. And he could head a ball. He could, when he got hold of a header, he was, uh, it, was, it, was it was a magnificent sight, listeners. Um, Barry Raymond Kitchener, um, centre half, nineteen sixty six to eight, nineteen eighty two, six hundred and two games, listeners. Uh, twenty eight goals for Millwall. Um, he also played in America. He went. He went to the US, didn't he? He was playing in the uh, NASL for a short time. Yeah, didn't he go under Jago and some? The Tampa like Bay that? Rowdies. He went to the yeah. Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, which again is uh, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think that's quite you know for, for this this kind of player that's got this old Kent Road stamp all over him, you know, to take off to the exotic world of the NASL was quite a. Quite something to do. So um, no, he's one of my. He's, he's my hero. I think you know if ever 
I sit and think who's the who's my favourite all time player because I was slightly too young to really appreciate Crips that I could tell that he was loved. Um, for me, Barry Kitchener was was my um, middle hero and remains so because that's how football works when you use the heroes of your childhood remain so through your life. Really, great player, great choice. Um, that was from nineteen seventy one. My choice, strangely, is um, uh, played at home because I have rules, listeners, uh, and I've broken those rules. Millwall <laughs> <laughs> nil, Middlesbrough one. I'm breaking the rules for a reason, which is my own personal justification, moral, moral framework. I'm breaking it because it's a game that sticks in my memory. This was played on the 27th of October, nil, 1973 in Division 2. Um, and it was played... Um, it was a one-nil win for Middlesbrough. I remember the um, the game very well. Strange, I was I was sat in the. I paid an extra ten pence to sit in the forecourt seat. <laughs> <laughs> so you was, were back then, weren't you? As well, that's right. right. I, it really makes me laugh when people say I'm posh. But anyway, um, first and only t- well, one of the very few times I have seen it well, with Brian Clough, but it was the first time, and I can't think of many other occasions where the opposition manager was applauded as he walked around the edge of the pitch to take his place in the dugout. And that manager was Jack Charlton for, for Middlesbrough. And um, he got he got applause as he walked around. This was pre-game, before the game had actually happened. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, it's, it's a rare honour at the Den. Uh, you don't see it very often, Neil Dear. Brian Clough is the only other person I can think of that, that got that. Yeah, we don't even normally applaud our own <laughs> managers coming back, do we? No, uh, it's, I don't, uh, <laughs> not everyone. Uh, even even heroes of the game don't seem to get it down there. But this, it, Jack Charlton got got that ripple of applause as he walked around. It's stuck in my mind. It still sticks in my mind to this day. And the incidents of the game stick in my mind because I do remember um, the goal going in um, just prior to half time. Um, I'm just looking at the match report here. Um, Foggen. Will, Will Foggen, I think, from Middlesbrough. Um, Alan Foggen. Alan Foggen, excuse me. Um, and he, he, he uh, bundled the ball home. Um, sorry, Smith, a player called Smith from a Foggen pass. I'm just reading Yeah, Malcolm Smith, yeah. Yeah, got the ball in the net. And then Mill basically bombarded um, the Middlesbrough um, goal in the second half. I'm just reading a match report here from uh, the Sunday People. And they say it, it, it won't come much tougher for Middlesbrough than at Millwall. The Lions poured in everything in the second half, but the biggest back four that this journalist had ever seen, Pat Collins, beat them off. Um, and Golden Hill, um, wonderful, wonderful striker, uh, winger come striker for the Lions, hit a tremendous 20-yard shot that smashed against the bar. And I remember it, remember it coming down and a huge kerfuffle um, because um, the controversy as to whether it crossed the line. The referee didn't give it. And I'll let you um, work out what the reaction of the uh, of the den was when that wasn't given because they were adamant that it had crossed the line. No matter that was a word that nobody uses these days. Kerfuffle. <laughs> One has to expand one's vocabulary, Mister Fisler. Um, I've, I've picked out two names from the team sheets. Um, a young Graham Soonis played for Middlesbrough that day. Um, he did indeed. He, he was he was one that caught my eye. David Mills was another who was a yes. record transfer. 
Believe Jim not. Jim Platt in goal for Middlesbrough. I think it was Jim Platt, if I remember rightly. Yes. Yeah, no, it was Jim Platt and David Armstrong, another player who who seemed to have that comb over when he was about eighteen, didn't he? <laughs> I suppose now the, the modern um, buzz cut has dealt with the comb over, but there are many many players of this era. <laughs> I remember Ralph Coates of Burnley and Bobby Charlton. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. I think I think Mills had a comb over as well. Whether he had a comb over in this game, whether he'd lost it. Well, he certainly lost it later. Um, I think, did he finish up at Southampton? I uh, saw yeah, Armstrong. David, yeah, David Armstrong. Yeah, he yeah. did. Southampton, Bournemouth, that kind of way. I think he played with George Lawrence a little bit yeah. later on when, when Chicken George was down on the south coast. And Soonis, of course, would go on to play for Spurs, Glasgow Rangers and uh, Sampdoria, I think, in Italy. And Liverpool. And Liverpool. Oh, yeah, mustn't forget Liverpool. They cut the European Cups mixed in the mix. You know, um, the counsellors for that. Funnily enough, I'm going to tell you a very quick story about Graham Souness, was the cousin of a next-door neighbour when I was a kid. Okay. You, know, you, are, you do move with the stars. I, do I don't. Yeah, but I've never met him. But we're, but just funnily <laughs> enough, my mum happened to mention it the other day when she'd just seen him on TV. and Remember you know, him, yeah. Like they go off on a tangent. They got on a tangent worse than we do. But Being serious, a tough, hard and very, very skillful player, Graham Soon. That's a kind of Man. player any team would want in their side. Um and I just, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'd forgotten I'd seen him as, as, a, as, a, as a youngster. I didn't really take much notice of him, but um, there he is. He's in the Middlesbrough side. I've picked out um, Gordon Hill, if I may, Neil, just to give Gordon. I don't, we haven't really mentioned Gordon Hill that often, I don't think, in our, our shows. Um, mercurial talent. Merlin, as I'm, I'm, I've actually picked out the wording from the Who's Who book that you can buy from Amazon or from victorpublishing.co.uk, and I recommend that you do. But Gordon Alec Hill was a wonderful talent who joined us in the early 70s, left us and broke my heart in uh, 1976. He would go to Manchester United and um, go on to great things, actually, United. He, he won an FA Cup and an England cap, I think, of United, didn't he? Gordon. Yeah, he was uh, he, he was a fantastic player, wasn't he? Wonderful. He was on the wing. Fast. Um I think also when when you're young, I mean, if, if the players that you're seeing, your heroes are not much older than you, it, it somehow it, it it counts, doesn't it? it? And I remember well every time Gordon Hill got the ball on the wing, you, a bit like I've said about Paul Eiffel, um, something was going to happen, and he was a, a real real talent. Um, signed by Benny Fenton, I think, and um, you know again, you know Benny defensive Benny, but a man that could pick a, a forward player. Yeah, and you look in. You, you look at this game. We had uh, Brian Clark. We did. Yeah, yeah. Good the first goal on the Sunday. Lovely guy. Yeah. Alf Wood, who recently died, to passed a- away. Oh yeah. Great striker. A rugged, hard Millwall striker. Great player. And Dumphy and Bolland, Gordon Bolland. That's a player we don't mention, isn't no, it? No, we don't. I, 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 I'll, I'll have to make a note for our next show to to pick out Gordon Bolland, Gordon Bolland, Bolland specifically because <laughs> you're right. I, I'm, one of the things I've as I said already with um, you know uh, in this show with Michael Jilks is that he gives you a chance just to, however in passing, just to mention players that have really contributed. And, and Gordon Bolland did. He was he was a striker for many many years, uh, scored a lot of goals for us. And we'll, maybe we'll pick him out specifically in the next show. Brilliant hairstyle. 
it grew into his early his early years were quite conventional, but he went down a kind of um, Brian May route in the end, didn't he? For Queen, you know, <laughs> <laughs> only tighter. It's like a tighter kind of a Millwall frizz. On the day, shares quite a famous name. Is that who that was? Have a look, uh, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Yes, not the, the Eddie the... Jones that I know. That Dave Donaldson on the other was... side. That's right, Eddie Jones. I'd forgotten that. Uh, that... Became a fireman, came from Tottenham. I believe he was one of those plethora of players that we used to procure from uh, White Hart Lane every now and again, didn't we? I think Benny had contacts up there. He must have done. I do remember, um, it, it must have been prior to this game, The uh, there was a big moment when, and there, I remember reading the programme describing it as a wind of change, Harry Cripps and uh, Brian Brown were dropped in favour of Dave Donaldson and Eddie Jones. And this was deemed to be like a big moment. Um, a wind of change had blown along Cold Blow Lane. I always remember that sentence. I remember reading it, thinking it quite poetic for the middle programme. <laughs> but two good players, both Donaldson and Eddie Jones, were, were, were two decent um, right and left backs. And, yeah, but it would have been Gordon Borland. Probably Gordon Borland. That's right. Probably have written the programme back then. His brother played for South End. <laughs> Achtung, Mehlball. But we must move along, Neil. Um, we're going to go on to the, the Bournemouth game now. Now, you've picked out one from 1938, and I don't remember the 1938 season at all. So this is a Millwall for Bournemouth, Neil. Or Bournemouth and Boscombe Athletic, to give it their, their full and proper title at that time. 1938 in April. Yeah, game over Easter. We'd beaten them 3 0 two days before. Yep. And then we came back to Cold Blow Lane on, it must have been Easter Monday, because I think back then you played you played a team on Easter yeah. Saturday, then you played the reverse fixture, didn't you, on the yeah. on holiday Monday. And uh, so we put seven goals past them in two days, kept two clean sheets. Yep. And ironically, because of World War Two, it would be another 10 years before we played them. And we beat them 4-0 that day as well. But this was a, this was a team that was building. It was... Yeah, I agree. We'd, we'd reached an FA Cup semi-final the year before. And this win, Jimmy Richardson scored one. Uh, John McLeod got two and... Foster Headley. What That's a, a great name. name. That That's is. a great name. I, I want to Foster be called Foster Headley. Headley. Foster Hart. Maybe I could be called myself that. Change my name. <laughs> Everyone called me. Everyone's got to call me Foster Headley Hart now. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd win the league. We'd win the league. Top of the third division, Neil. Yeah, it's a step closer to promotion. Uh, I think we had two games left. Yeah, uh, one against Brighton and one team from Devon who who I refuse to say their name <laughs> because they're up the top of the expressway and I've cancelled them. If anybody wants uh, wants a clue, uh, you could actually say that they're excrement. <laughs> I've never known that there was Devonian hatreds like this. <laughs> Absolutely, fucking don't want any anybody from that city. Michael Jackson, that didn't he get involved in the, in the, in the uh, Yuri Geller? 
Yeah, that tiny little outfit. So I don't, I don't even want them to win a game of tiddlywinks. We won't so. even say their name. Although I've been there, it's quite a nice place. <laughs> Let's move along. Oh God. Anyway, but so we were building something. Yeah, we were. And this yeah. was, I think we finished uh, midway in the second division the following season. We did. But then, but then, uh, Mr. Hitler decided to invade. And decided that he wanted world domination. Yeah, and it got in the way, didn't it? I mean, yeah, and stopped us in our tracks. And this was a lovely, this was a lovely squad. And you speak to historians, and I think if you probably read Jim Murray's Lions on the Tags, yeah, this was a team that were and a squad that was building something. Millwall, Millwall had a bit of ambition. We did. I think we'd we'd redevelop the the ground. the the uh, state the side stand was was built for first division football. It was all built for the you know the big push towards uh, the ultimate aim of, of winning promotion to the top flights. And, cheerful uh, Charlie was in charge. Cheerful Charlie Hewitt, <laughs> um, and we would finish. Uh, we'd win the league in this this particular season, as Neil says, champions of the third division. We would be promoted to the second flight, finish mid table, ready for that push. In the 1939-40 season, and a couple of games in, and it all kicks off on the Polish border, and the next thing you know, we've got world conflict. Um, I've, I've picked out a much more mundane fixture, Neil, for my my uh, AFC Bournemouth choice, um, and I just find this I find these kinds of Mickey Mouse little competitions fascinating. I don't know why, but this was an AMS and Associate Members Cup game. Played in 1984 on the 13th of March at the Den. Uh, it finished Mill 2, AFC Bournemouth 2. We then lost 7-6 on a penalty shootout. But this is one for the quizzers out there. What game did Mill still progress in despite losing the knockout cup tie? And that game will be this one. Because they had a rule, such as the Mickey Mouse nature of this competition, they had progress for the highest scoring losers, which is something out of... Um, I don't know. You get it on on catchphrase or uh, you know, you one of these TV quiz shows. Football. Yeah, you get it in kids' football when they kids want to football. give a trophy to somebody, don't they? So as long as you lose, but you score fifteen goals when you're losing by fifty goals to fifteen, they what give a you a trophy on. for it, don't they? <laughs> so Mill two, Bournemouth two. We lose the game seven six on the shootout. But we still went through as a high-scoring loser into the next round of the Associate Members Cup. That would then well, we banned from Bournemouth that season um, right at the end for the final. Yeah, I think there was there was there'd been some um, some um, you know argy bargy previously. I think fans were banned from it. Well, we we were banned. It was it was in that very tough early eighties period when. Um, you know, uh, and they haven't feel... quite forgiven us for for one of the activities, <laughs> have they? We we'd had the ground closed in in seventy eight, and I think with didn't the chairman threaten to close us down in eighty two? Like actually fold the club literally. Oh, that was, was Alan Thorne, Alan Thorne, wasn't it? Yeah, I think and you're right. Um, we had, we'd later have an FA imposed sanction where we couldn't go, couldn't sell any away tickets, and all sorts of stuff. It was. It was a very, um, you know, fractious time, but this is this is wonderful stuff to lose a game and yet still go through as a high-scoring loser, which we did. 
in the AMS Cup. It was, it was now as mutated. I, I mean, the reason I picked it out is as much for that oddity, but also for the fact that it's such a for such a Mickey Mouse competition. Now it still lives on. I mean, it's now the EFL Trophy, Papa John's Trophy. If, um, you know, if going through as the high scoring loser is not undignified, surely playing in the Papa John's Trophy must be equally as undignified for the modern clubs. You know, and it's still here. It's incredible. Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those trophies. It lingers around like a bad smell, doesn't it? Nobody wants it. Nobody goes to it. No. Except for the final. We must be about the only club that's ever got to the final and lost money. (laughs) Despite selling 60,000 tickets or whatever. (laughs) It lives on. It's like the undead. It's like, um, you know, you can't, the man they couldn't hang. It's, it's, It's still here. Obviously now it's, had all dignity stripped for it. It's called the, the, the Pizza Papa John's Trophy. They have Premier League under 21. It was the Dulux Cup at one stage, oh, wasn't it? And and funnily enough, I think Bournemouth's manager that day was a certain Ari's dog is a millionaire. Yeah. It's the Redknapp. Redknapp, that's right. He was managing Bournemouth at this point. Um, and... What I want to know is, did we go through as a high-scoring loser because we scored six penalties i don't know unless unless to score twice and still lose was deemed to be i mean there must be a luck of the draw i mean there must have been other clubs that scored twice and got beat three two or whatever i don't know i don't know um beck is that john beck i see scoring for bournemouth did he play for bournemouth yes Uh, he did yeah 112 minutes Goals by uh, Dean Neal in the 108th minute and an earlier goal, 47 minutes for, I think it was Dean White. I think Dean White. Yes, uh, Dean White. Yeah, but you look at that team. George Graham was a manager. We had Paul Sampson in goal. Yep. Rhino. That's Dave right. Stride, who unfortunately died two or three years ago. Yep. Uh, it was a real mixture. Steve Lovell wore the number four shirt. That's right. Mickey Nutton. Mickey Nutton is a name from the past. Carl Cowley, who yeah. unfortunately a very young player who didn't quite make it. I think he suffered injury. Yep. Uh, Alan McCleary. McCleary, yeah. yeah. The first Paul Robinson to play for Millwall. <laughs> another player who I think suffered from injuries. Yeah. Good, good, young, highly rated England Youth international from memory. Yep. Dean Neal. Dean Neal. also played for Mill. Dean Neal had a love-hate relationship with George Graham, I think. Very, <laughs> very good goal scorer, wasn't he? He was. Dean Neal. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, no, his brother John played in this game. Yeah. Number 11 shirt. Dave Martin. One of, the, yeah. one of the first many Dave Martins we've had play for us. A bit like Paul Robinson. It's a recurring nightmare, isn't it? That's right. Kevin Brennan, I see Kevin at the game, yeah, yeah, and Dean White, as you said, that that wasn't that wasn't a half bad team actually. You you look at no. some of those players, and Stride had been at Chelsea, I think. Was he at what was he at Chelsea? It was David Stride, yeah, he was yeah. he was um, Chelsea player. Went back when Chelsea weren't the European power that they are now, listeners. Um, they weren't even a first division power, were they back then? Not then, not then they weren't. No, I mean our lucky break by by progressing as a as a high scoring loser actually put us on the the associate members cup trail, listeners, and we beat Swindon in the next round in March three one. Um, 
And then we'd finish the season. This, I, I, I don't think we've won. The, we didn't win it. It's finished. Must have finished as a three-way group of some sort to finish it. We, we uh, beat Plymouth away at home park, 1-0. This would be in May 1984. The Division Three season finished a couple of days beforehand um, with, with us in... Um, uh, in ninth position, so it was a, a mid-table finish. But we then finished with two associate members' cup games against Plymouth, one 0 win, and then we've gone to Bournemouth and got beat two-one at Bournemouth. Um, so Bournemouth actually beat us twice in that competition. Um, Dean Neil Skull and then Thompson and O'Driscoll. I think that's Sean O'Driscoll, isn't it? Um, yeah, for Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, so that was that was that. But what a strange competition! What a strange um, way to finish it. And it all had a bit of a had a strong committee feeling about it. That the organisation of the associate members' cup, didn't it? It was like no one wanted it, yet somehow everyone wanted a bit of it. Yeah, was it one of those competitions? I've, I can't even remember why they bought it in. Now it was the the idea of it. Associate what? members is that the the reason for that is that back in the old football league system, the top two. Uh, leagues, Division 1 Division 2 were deemed to be members of the Football League and the 3rd and 4th Division were given the status of associate members um, in the in the constitution of the league and that all got broken up when um, uh, the Premier League formed and obviously the, the idea of, of members and associate members went out the window. So this was a, basically a couple yeah. It's unbelievable knowledge. Yeah, no, it's, and it's the, the reason it was at the 3rd and 4th Division tournament I think it was intended to give a give um, the lower league clubs a Wembley final. I think it was that idea of a payday going to Wembley. A cash cow. Yeah, I mean, how it, I haven't got details. It's quite hard to find, um, you know, details of this of this particular competition that um, finished with the games at Bournemouth and Plymouth, but um, we didn't win it. We had won the the precursor to it, which was the Football League trophy for the, pro, the season before. Um, with that famous win up at Lincoln City, but this was this seemed to fade away in suitably um, abject kind of circumstances. Can, there's a quiz question for you, Neil. Who's, who's won the um, AMS EFL Trophy, Papa John's Trophy, what Dulux, whatever you want to call it? Who's won it the most? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> one for the, the pub quiz. Do I even care? No, you don't care because it's Bristol City. Bristol City have won it three times. The three oh, times really? they they pulled off the uh, the big the big trophy three times since its um, arrival thirty it's plus years ago. So, and finally, when finally we come to um, we come to Hull City. Uh, at the end of the we've got anybody left listening, and we're bored. Oh, they, they'll be gagging oh, for this one. They, 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 we've got nine. This, your first, your choice, Neil. Nineteen seventy-nine choice. Yeah, the 29th of September. Mill three, Hull City two. Let's settle for that when we play them at the end of the month. Absolutely, and I've got a Sunday Mirror report here, which, if you'll indulge me, I'll read out, listeners. Um, a thrilling, a thrilling seesaw game against a lively whole side brought the goal tally in Mills' last three home games to 17. Quote, all we hope is that we keep winning and keep scoring goals and the crowds come back to us, said Mills' assistant manager Terry Long, standing in for George Petchy. Yesterday's crowd, if that's the right word, as that this is direct from the Sunday Mirror, yesterday's crowd was 6,001. Um, it was a long, hard battle. It's a, it was a hard battle, said Long. So, but what pleases me is we came back from behind twice. Um, Hull taking the lead in the eighth minute for a record signing Mick Tate. 
Yep. Um, six minutes later, the Lions were loved from a John Lyons free uh, free kick. Trevor Phillips put the Humbersiders back in front on on eight on thirty six. Well, Two minutes Phillips on Sky. Man. Not the Trevor. <laughs> Two minutes later, John Jackson, good goalkeeper. He came to, John Jackson came to us very late in his career. Um, he saved the whole penalty. But Nicky Chatterton equalised from the penalty spot four minutes short of half-time. And then uh, Chatterton again got the winner. Eight minutes into the second half from a, a pass from Mel Blythe. Um, and I've picked out Nicky Chatterton, if you'll indulge me, Neil, because I, I, I was surprised he played so many times for us because I, I never, ever could get past the fact he'd come from Crystal Palace. And I, I just could never think of him as a proper Millwall player. And yet he's played... Th- 304 made 304 appearances, eight of seven scored 67 goals, 1978 to 86. That's some proper Millwall player, but he, I always in my mind had that print of Palace on him. Yeah, it was. If I think it, I'm reading from my own book here. <laughs> what, that's the Millwall Who's Who by Neil Fisler and Dave You're Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, not that we like to talk about it and that we haven't mentioned it on Amazon podcast, uh, but it was actually seen as one of the smartest moves, except except for in Foster Hart's eyes. <laughs> when we lured him from Crystal Palace, seen as one of George Petchy's best best signings, along with Tony Towner, yeah, and the late John Lyons, who we mentioned in this game. I think I mean George Petchy was 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 you know flayed alive with abuse um in the and he had a very difficult brief I think as a manager but you're right I mean I think in retrospect and with the the benefit of of all these years of experience you, you can see the benefit of players like Nicky Chatterton who was like a an industrious midfielder really Neil I'd describe him as um he wasn't a he wasn't a game changer but he did the the hard graft in midfield didn't he yeah, and he helped us win promotion in '85. He did, yeah, and a servant, um, you know, in, in a way that I didn't really give him credit for. And it's interesting to, I didn't miss out on the '83. We were talking about the '83 football league trophy winning side. He missed that through injury. Did he? Oh, he wasn't in the side. Um, Cost us a hundred thousand pounds, which was yeah, a bit big money. By Millwall in yeah, '78, wouldn't it? Well, we teetered on the edge of bankruptcy and non-existence many, many times, and that, that was an era where that was a very real prospect. Um, but I, I just hadn't appreciated how many games he'd played for us and how many goals he'd scored, 67 goals from um, 304 appearances of eight as substitute. So um, that's a good choice. Three, Mill 3, Hull City 2 from uh, from September 1979. Um, I've picked out one... Um, from 1973, and I've only really picked it out to be honest. There's another win for the Lions nil. It's a whole city nil mill two, and I've only really picked it out because the star man in this win, um, described by the the Sunday people as a as a um, uh, the, the game was as a bad game. Um, the, the stress is that Coventry and Wolves are both clubs' cup opponents next week. Um, we'll, we'll not be too worried about what they saw in this game, but anyway, the Lions won it 2 0. But the star man was a player I don't think we've mentioned very often, which is Alan Dorney, um, one of the mainstays of the defense when I started going in, in 72. Um, 268 appearances, 68 to 74. One goal, he was never a goal scorer, <laughs> Alan Dorney, but he was a great, great defender, and he was star man in their, their assessment. I just thought it'd be nice to give Alan Dorney a shout out. We, we haven't really oh, mentioned no, his name 
caught my attention when we were, I think we were talking about the Middlesbrough game earlier on. Yeah, he was in that um, side, yeah. yeah. And Alan Dornie, an underrated, another underrated player that very that seems um, to have been forgotten. Yeah, I, I, I um, his one of his sons is on Twitter, and I, I, I reveal the, uh, the the mysteries of the private message, the direct message. But I remember saying to him, you know, I asked him if it, it, I saw the name Dorney, and it just you don't see many Dorneys around, so I, I wonder whether he was related as his son. But I, I mean, my description to, um, to 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 him of his dad's play was of an elegant defender, and you know. He, it, he wasn't. Um, he he was tougher than you might have thought, but he was an elegant defender. He in, in, he had a bit of um, finesse about his defending, and I always 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 admired him as a player. He didn't miss many games. You look no, from no. when he broke into the side in, or when he really made the breakthrough in sixty nine seventy. Yeah, until about seventy five. He probably missed, well, he didn't miss a game for about three seasons. The season before that, I think he missed two or three. He was a very, very consistent player. I'm liking him to a modern-day player. Probably liking him a bit to, I don't know, who could you liken him to who's played for us recently? Jimmy Abdu, very rarely missed a game. Yeah, um... I, I mean, it was, it was a defender, and he was always seemed to be teamed alongside Barry Kitchener. So you had the kind of um, the size and presence of Kitch alongside Alan Dorney, with what always seemed to me as a as a youngster, a kind of a, a, a deft touch in defence. Um, I mean, it may be too much to compare him with Bobby Moore as a defender, in that Bobby Moore won a World Cup, and Alan Dorney obviously was a Millwall player, but he had that quality of precision about his tackling and um everything he did seemed to be to to be um meant um i suppose if you're going to pick um i don't know if you're going to be critical he probably didn't go forward and score many goals just one goal in that in that um you know nine year period when he was defending so maybe you know we mentioned barry kitchen has headed goal nearly in, in one of the previous games well that wasn't ever alan dorney but as a defender and as a Millwall servant and as a player that you could really, really say you ever saw make a mistake, I, I can't think of many better than Alan Dorney. He fitted perfectly into that system and into that side, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, so, yeah. He, he, he was your workman, wasn't he? And you had your likes of... Yeah. What they called in baseball, they have clean-up hitters, people that come in and clean somebody else's mess up for them. And he was that kind of player. He didn't make errors. Um, I don't remember seeing him make an error. Let's put it. It was a Ray Donovan. <laughs> yeah, <That's right. laughs> he comes in. There's a mess, and he kind of leaves the place clean. And that was Alan Dorney. So I just wanted to, as we've done a few times in the course of this show, listen. I just wanted to mention a player that made a big impact on me as as a youngster, and probably doesn't get mentioned enough. Maybe we'll mention him more often going forward. So 268 appearances for Alan Dorney, one goal. 68-74. Um, and there we are. I think we've reached the end of the November fixtures, Neil. Yeah, we've rambled our way through them, haven't we, for the last hour? Well, one hour and 11. I'm just looking at my clock count here, listeners. I don't think I'll edit <laughs> any of that out. I, I'll quite, I do love doing these shows. I hope you enjoy listening to I know that both Neil and I get kind of therapy from... <laughs> 
the tangents and the, <laughs> the odysseys we that we go for an hour on the Monday afternoon, don't we? And just uh, and just reminisce about about these wonderful players and 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 the, and the Robert Maxwells and the Eddie Shaws and the Maxwells and the rest of them. Graham Sudesses of this world and absolutely. Yeah, but it's just not like doing this show, is it? We just we, no, we just take yeah, we just meet up on the internet and we, right. we just talk for the and it's all built on premium. You listen to it if you like. You don't have to listen to it. You know, you can listen to it if you like. And if you do listen to it, and you're looking for a Christmas present, everything that we've done is built on the wonderful repository of knowledge that is Mill Who's Who by Neil Fissler and Dave Sullivan, available via VictorPublishing.co.uk. It costs about twenty quid. And it should slip into the stocking of the mill supporting your life. So, um, November the first, as we're recording this, Neil. So it's a good. That's a great, great present for Christmas. I feel. Yeah, out on my birthday, which is on Saturday week, uh, from Victor. Yep. Uh, if you really want it now, you'll yeah, go and pay Bezos a visit. He'll have one delivered He's to got you. One there we are. Support his next space for it. Fantastic stuff, Neil. Really appreciate your time, mate. This afternoon. Thank you, mate. That was good. I enjoyed that. And we'll be back again soon with some more ramblings next month. <laughs> Till then, dear listeners. From Neil and myself is a Riva Dirty Mill and bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Mill. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. A Riva Dirty Mill. Till next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers, and if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.